Hello and welcome to this seventh episode of Pain TV. My name is Perry Fine, Professor of Anesthesiology and Attending Physician at the Pain Management Center at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, and your host to this series of programs focusing on managing chronic pain in primary care. In this episode, we'll discuss how to develop an initial treatment plan for the chronic pain patient, including instructions on safe use of medications. Here with us to share his thoughts on how medical and behavioral aspects of designing and implementing an effective treatment plan is my colleague, Dr. Glenn Treisman, professor of psychiatry and professor of medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and director of AIDS Psychiatry Service at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. Thank you, Perry. Patients with chronic pain need a comprehensive evaluation from a whole patient perspective that includes the psychosocial context as well as the pathophysiological mechanisms of their pain. The important considerations before beginning treatment include a clear description of your role and the patient's role in the treatment contract, engaging in an open and ongoing patient-physician communication, and validating the patient's pain experience at every step in the process, describing self-management strategies that will be helpful, encouraging realistic treatment expectations, and providing patient education regarding safe medication use. The psychosocial evaluation must include an assessment of the impact of chronic pain and past treatments on function in domains including activities of daily living, mood, sleep patterns, addiction or aberrant behavior, and interpersonal relationships. Psychosocial elements have been shown to be an important piece of the puzzle in chronic pain. Mood disorders, personality traits, and coping mechanisms impact the patient's well-being and ability to manage pain and adhere to treatment. Recognition of these factors allows individualization of the treatment plan. Many patients with chronic pain think that their doctors do not believe their pain is real. To engage patients, it is important to reassure them that you know their pain is real, but that they can get better despite their pain. The initial treatment plan should be viewed as a trial, not set in stone. This is particularly true when it involves opioids and other controlled substances. The baseline evaluation should establish pre-intervention pain scores and functional status. The factors that reinforce health-directed behaviors differ from patient to patient and require ongoing monitoring and ongoing adjustment of the treatment plan. In every evaluation, you should assess the four A's of pain management, analgesia, activity, adverse effects, and aberrant behavior. Chronic pain pushes patients to seek relief in the now, which encourages the use of narcotics. Over time, narcotic-seeking behavior can be amplified by many different elements of chronic pain, and this may drive addictive behaviors and provide a fertile ground for the addiction to grow in. Pain treatment follows a dynamic, as opposed to static, case-based formulation of care that considers pain amplification, comorbidities, and behavioral dimensions. Pain amplification involves upregulation of pain sensitivity at different levels of the central nervous system in a self-perpetuating cycle that is mediated by changes in chemical and electrical pain transmission circuits. These are influenced by behavioral factors such as level of activity. The top of the loop shows the many behaviors conditioned by external factors. The bottom of the loop shows other behaviors such as sleeping, eating, and sex that involve an internal reward cycle linked directly to the reward circuitry of the brain, the neuroendocrine system and the mesolimbic dopamine system, which generate and control cravings. Most addictive drugs, such as opioids, act through these circuits. 
This cycle amplifies specific behaviors that occur in chronic pain and addiction, ratcheting them up or down in response to positive or negative feedback. Several key comorbidities perpetuate the behavioral loop that drives abnormal and addictive behaviors associated with chronic pain. For example, depression turns off the reward system, making ordinary rewards less appealing and increasing the vulnerability to addiction. Common comorbidities include depression, personality disorders, and family and social factors. In addition, various physical drug-induced comorbidities are listed here. Intoxication with medicines such as opioids and benzodiazepines, opiate-mediated hyperalgesia, deconditioning and chronic constipation, poor nutrition, vitamin deficiency, endocrine dysregulation, and steroid dependence. Treatment of chronic pain with opiates is targeted toward improving function by maximizing pain relief while minimizing the risk of addiction. The goal of therapy is to obtain enough pain relief to improve physical, emotional, and or social functioning through the appropriate use of medications and other modalities. These goals sometimes cannot be met without the use of opioid medications. Fear on the part of doctors that patients will become addicted is one of the reasons why moderate to severe pain may be undertreated. Most patients who are exposed to addictive drugs do not become addicted, and behavioral interventions directed at the individual vulnerabilities help prevent addiction. As clinicians, we need to address both patient factors that increase vulnerability to addiction, such as depression, personality traits, and life circumstances, as well as the behavioral amplification loop that operates at the most primitive level to drive chronic pain and addiction. To treat chronic pain effectively, we must work with our patients to set realistic expectations and goals. Educating patients about self-management and safe drug use is the first step toward treatment success. The patient must be engaged to take an active role in treatment. Our role includes being vigilant about monitoring the process. Treatment goals are individually tailored and may include the following. Improve physical function as documented by increases in range of motion standing or walking. Improve general functional status, leading to increased activities of daily living and resumption of social and household activities. Increased ability to self-manage chronic pain. Improve vocational disability status. Reduce use or discontinuation of opioids or other medications. Reduced healthcare utilization, less doctor's appointments, medical procedures, and emergency room visits. Reduced pain level, as documented by various pain scales. Reduced emotional distress. And finally, the ability to achieve goals while minimizing the risk of opiate misuse and optimizing treatment to avoid harm. The first step in treatment is to make certain that patients know that you know their pain is real. A complete cure is frequently not possible, so patients must learn to manage their chronic pain in order to function at home, work, or school. Our role includes that of a coach who encourages the patient's self-management efforts. Communicating openly with patients facilitates a trust-based relationship. Coaching and educating patients can dispel their misconceptions and fears and provide reassurance and encouragement that can help optimize treatment outcomes. The main message is that chronic pain is common and manageable, has a good prognosis, and does not need to cause disability. This not only dispels patients' fears, but also leads to better outcomes and more effective resource utilization, greater treatment satisfaction, and potentially greater reduction in applications for disability compensation. Reassurance should be tailored to the patient's perceptions and lifestyle. 
It is essential to encourage the patient to maintain a high level of function at work, to resume activities of daily living, and to discourage disuse of body parts, as this will worsen pain over time and increase disability. If necessary, we should be prepared to provide education that addresses common misconceptions and fears. Educating patients and their families about treatment options and sharing decision-making about goals and expected outcomes set the foundation for effective therapy. Managing chronic pain within a busy practice involves setting boundaries for ourselves and our patients. Carefully evaluating patients within a biopsychosocial framework will enable us to define limits and to triage patients to three categories based on risk factors for prescription drug abuse or serious psychopathology. There are practical criteria to help doctors decide which patients with chronic pain can be managed safely with opioids in primary care settings and which would do better co-managed with specialist support or referred to specialty care. The vast majority of patients who present to primary care physicians with chronic pain fall in group one. These are patients with low risk and have no past or present history of substance use or untreated psychiatric disorders. Group two patients have a past personal or significant family history of substance use. They may also have a past or current psychiatric disorder. Because these patients are not actively addicted, they can be co-managed in primary care with consultation with the appropriate specialist. Group three patients are actively addicted or have major untreated psychiatric disorders. These patients should be treated collaboratively with specialists since many primary care physicians may not have the resources or experience to manage such complex cases. It is important to recognize that patients may move to a different category with time. For example, a patient with a prior history of substance use can relapse into active addiction, while an actively addicted patient can recover from addiction with appropriate treatment. Even low-risk patients may develop substance use or psychiatric comorbidities. All these considerations underscore the need to reassess risk status at every visit. As part of building a trust-based relationship with patients, it is important to set boundaries, particularly for those prescribed potentially addictive drugs. Education about risks and responsibilities can minimize abuse and maximize efficacy. As previously discussed, patient education is all important, and this is particularly true when it comes to the prescription of medications with abuse potential. As clinicians, we should provide general information defining treatment goals and expectations, addiction, tolerance, physical dependency, and withdrawal symptoms. Patient responsibilities should be clearly outlined, such as filling all prescriptions at one place, adhering to instructions such as not driving if drowsy, keeping a pain and function diary, and providing feedback to their doctor. We should provide clear instructions for patients on how to take medications at the proper time and in the proper doses, and discuss the overall care plan in detail with the patient and the patient's family. Although there is no best way to convey a chronic opioid therapy care plan, it is sometimes helpful to use written documentation to explain what's involved to patients, their families, and other clinicians. For patients at higher risk for misuse, it's useful to provide clear written guidelines to serve as a contract that reinforce expectations about appropriate and safe use of opioids. The content of the written chronic opioid therapy consent form may vary, but it typically covers obtaining opioids from one prescriber, filling opioid prescriptions from only one designated pharmacy, undergoing random urine screens, scheduling office visits at a specified minimal interval, using pill counts, limiting prescription amounts, for example, to weekly or biweekly instead of monthly, and detailing behaviors that will result in opioid discontinuation. 
Opiate management of chronic pain is made very complex by the array of types of chronic pain, the huge differences in patients, and the changing nature of the nervous system. It is a mistake to deny patients with substance use history or disorders effective treatment of their pain, and this may include opiates. The goals of rehabilitation, function, quality of life, and personal growth must eventually replace the goal of comfort. Developing a network of consultants with expertise in pain management and addictions and having a central primary care quarterback are essential to succeed with complicated patients with chronic pain. We hope you found this episode on treatment planning informative and helpful. In the next episode, we'll continue the discussion on safe use of pain medications. To proceed to the online CME test, click on the Earn CME Credit link on this page. Please also take a moment to complete a few post-assessment questions to help us measure the educational impact of this activity. Please check back to view future episodes of Pain TV, and thank you for watching this program.